I left the city, I've been browsing. Treading water that they drown. My head on a swivel. Yeah. It's only really my surroundings. Hello and welcome to episode 209 of the Smash Except Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Royer. You can find me on Twitter at DynastyDadFF. Joining me as always is my partner in crime, the one, the only, Snoog. What's going on, brother? We're doing good, Dad. You know what time of the year it is. We're about to dive into some rookies and talk rookie mock drafts. Let's do I've been it, doing man. This stuff all week, all day long. So I'm excited to finally get the jitters out and talk talk about some of these top end prospects with and- you. This is more of that fun time, really, to start talking about these rookies. I mean, ultimately, a lot is going to change. But today's mock draft, we're trying to bring you the most insightful, you know, opportunities and with landing spots. And we're going by, you know, NFL.com analyst Bucky Brooks. We're going to be looking at his mock draft that he just did as of uh, the end of January, looking at. He has, you know, giant wide receivers or five wide receivers taken in the first round. He's got multiple quarterbacks. We keep saying how special this class is going to be. So we're going to make this a short, a quick episode so you guys can kind of see where we would draft players based off of certain mock drafts to give you the best and most insightful opportunity to see where these guys are going to go. So Snoog, I'm going to take pick one just because I'm I'm selfish, uh, you know, because I think there's no debate in any landing spot, in any super flex format. And that's what we will be doing here. When we do our drafts, when we do our content at Smash Accept, it is super flex, tight end premium. If you guys have questions and they resolve around things that are one quarterback or not tight end premium, make sure you guys specify that. But we always play super flex, tight end premium. That's the way we roll. For this particular exercise, Snoog, I want to go with the Smash Accept way of the 1.75 tight end premium. Six-point passing touchdowns, 0.25 points per carry, and roll from there. I don't think there is any debate in a super flex rookie draft that the 101 should be Caleb Williams. In this particular mock draft, Bucky Brooks had him going one overall to the Chicago Bears, which I think is a fantastic landing spot. They got tons of draft capital. They got tons of, of you know, money under the salary cap. And I think they're really going to surround Caleb Williams and make him be successful. Unlike what they did with Justin Fields. I think the bears learned their lesson. I think they have a guy here who has a top three to five dynasty ceiling. And I think he's got the floor of, you know, a Dak Prescott QB 12 type range. I think Caleb Williams is the real deal. There is a, a slight risk there, but as far as prospects go, He's about as ironclad as they get as a guy that is going to be a lock for the 101. And Snoop, we keep talking about it. People are asking, I already have Joe Burrow. I already have Justin Herbert. I already have Jalen Hurts. So what? You draft Caleb Williams. You draft value, not need. And you can buy wide receivers with those quarterbacks. Dad, you nailed it on the absolute head there on that breakdown because this might be the best situation a quarterback is getting put into with the first overall pick. Like. Look at the Panthers. Look at the Jaguars with T-Law. Look at the Bengals with Burrow his first year. It wasn't pretty, but it was definitely better than the Jags and the Panthers. This guy's going in with a bona fide wide receiver one, a, a very solid tackle in Darnell, with Darnell Wright from Tennessee. He played great last year. They're probably losing Mooney, but they have Cole Komet, who's like a top 10 to 12 tight end talent. And then they got pick mm-hmm. nine. 
They have a lot of draft capital in the future. They're not missing any first. They got good seconds. What better way than to, to pair, you know, Kayla Williams money. with with an, a neighbors and a Dunze, a, a guy like that, just to have them grow together. You know what I mean? So you're up at the 102 here. Uh, again, an, another pretty easy smash pick. I think no matter what, Marvin Harrison Jr. is probably going to be my 102, especially if he goes to the Cardinals. I mean, we're, we're about to see Kyler Murray play with a true alpha bonafide wide receiver one coming in as a rookie, 20, 21, 22 years old. We saw him, what he did with D-Hop when D-Hop was 29, not in his prime still, wide receiver four. Marquise Brown, first year on the Cardinals before injury, wide receiver five. I mean, like, come on. The, the writing's right there in front of you. One of the best prospects to come out in a while at the position. Dad and I comped him to A.J. Green. I think that's as accurate as you can get. He's probably going to be a 4-3-8, 4-4 guy, 6-4, 6-3-ish, long frame, excels downfield. And he can run routes. He can separate. He does everything at an extremely high level. And I know a lot of people say he's not that fast. He's not. He can't separate this good. He's not that good of a route runner. He is. He just relied on a lot more contested catch rate because of how good of a tight window thrower CJ Stroud was. He would give him those opportunities even when he was covered because Marv is always the main priority on that football field. So the number one corner is following him. You have a safety over the top shadowing him. You got to you got to play to his strengths and, and Stroud could put the ball anywhere. So that's why Marvin Harrison Jr. had a high contested catch rate. I think there is a very good scenario where he jumps into that Jefferson Chase and Lamb tier if he goes to the Cardinals at four. So I think he's the bonafide 102 in this draft. I'm going to stay pretty chalk here. I'm going to go with the 103, Drake May, to the Commanders. Again, I love this spot from Bucky Brooks, putting him on the Commanders, where he already has multiple weapons at his, you know, with Terry McLaurin, with Jahan Dotson, even Logan Thomas, Brian Robinson out of the backfield. I think the Commanders are a nice landing spot for Drake May. I think, you know, you get that that Carolina connection there. Maybe Sam Howe shows him the ropes a little bit, but I think Drake May ultimately is a top 12 dynasty quarterback, and I think the Commanders would be a nice landing spot for him. So not a lot to add to that one. I think he's in an area. Snoog, what I got to ask you is if May goes at three and Caleb goes at one, how much of a difference is there between them in values? Would you say a 25 first? And if so, yeah. I think it has to be a mid. I don't think it could just be a random. I think it has to be mid. I think there's a big gap talent-wise between the two, and I think situation-wise, like the Bears or the Commanders. Yeah. Commanders have no offensive line. They do have some decent weapons there on the outside, throwing to a Terry Dotson, Kurt yeah. Samuel. Well, and I don't think game, but I don't think people are on to Drake May enough. Where I I can I convinced one of our listeners the other day to trade the 103 and the 105 for the 101, or the other way around, the 101 for the 103 and 105. And I'm like, dude, you're gonna get Drake May, and then you're gonna get either Brock Bowers or you know yeah. Malik Neighbors, or at worst, you get Jalen Daniels in there. I mean, you're going to get two elite prospects. And there was a time where people were saying, Hey, I'm gonna trade two and three to get to one. Now we're at a spot. If you can get two guys in that three to six to three to seven range, knowing one of them's going to be a quarterback and the other one's going to be an elite level wide receiver or tight end, that's a smash. Go do it now. By the way, you're up at 104. This one with a 0.75 tight end premium. Oh, I knew you were going to do it. Put me in a really, really tough situation. Because like, oh, Malik Neighbors is like my my bona fide one hundred and three in like most drafts. But like, yeah. Bucky Brooks has him falling to fifteen with the Colts. I I think 
We got to talk to Bucky about this. I do because he. I think he did this on purpose to see how I would react. I think he just wanted to see how he could put Snoog in a predicament. I think Shane Steichen getting his hands on a Malik Neighbors is dangerous, but I think you have to go Brock Bowers with Justin Herbert in this Chargers offense. Mm-hmm. He'd lead as the main vertical threat. He'd be the go-to guy underneath. You got Keenan Allen kind of on his way out. Mike Williams getting up there in age. Brock Bowers, man. Dad, we talked about it many times. Best tight end prospect I've ever scouted. Best tight end prospect I've ever watched. Best tight end prospect ever. Like, There's no debating it. Dominant player, best player on Georgia's offense all the years. They won the national championships. People talk about Kyle Pitts as generational. He was fourth overall pick. Like, you can't argue that, but he's not on Brock Bowers' level as a talent. Like, he can't make the same plays he can. He doesn't have the same toughness. He doesn't have the physicality. He doesn't have the ability to break three tackles and house a 75 yard slant. Like, Kyle Pitts was so good because of his athleticism. Brock Bowers is so good because he's that talented. And I think if he goes five to the Chargers, we saw what Greg Roman did with Mark Andrews in Baltimore. He likes to pound the rock. You got Jim Harbaugh there now too. It's going to be heavy, heavy play action with a quarterback that can throw for 5,000 yards any given moment. 0.75 tight end premium. I mean, Dad, if Brock Bowers had like 95 to 100 receptions a few years in his career, would you be shocked? Like, no. No. The guy that could probably put up 400 fantasy points in this type of format. Give me Brock Bowers at the four spot, even though Malik Neighbors is my one three in most leagues. But you got to go with Brock here if this does happen. So you're gonna be you're gonna be absolutely thrilled with this because this is something that you know you know you want to know your league mates and know how they're gonna draft and you know who I'm gonna take. So you got to be absolutely elated. Uh, this is so we're early in the process. If Michael Pittman comes back to the Colts. Then I'm gonna I'm gonna pass on Malik Neighbors here, and I'm going to take Jaden Daniels at four. All right, we're at four, right? Five. No, five at five. So I think Jaden Daniels going in this particular situation. We're talking about going to the New England Patriots, which you and I both kind of slowly throw up in our mouths. But Bill Belichick is gone. They have seventy three million dollars under the cap. They take him with their early pick. They have pick thirty four. You know, I could see a Troy Franklin fall into that area. I could see, you know, Adnan Mitchell possibly fall in that area. Worthy. I could see them going with a wide receiver. It's a new coaching regime. It's not going to be Bill Belichick playing with, you know, a bunch of tight ends and guys that don't know what's going on. You know, a bunch of wide receivers that they just feel like, oh, let's just throw these guys in there. So the rushing upside of Jaden Daniels is Lamar Jackson light. The deep ball is the best I've seen since I've been doing this, I mean, it is beautiful. It's an absolutely impressive deep ball. The short to intermediate could use a little bit of, of, of help. You know, his his understanding of knowing when to get out of bounds or slide in the run game could help. But I think Jaden Daniels, like we talk about a lot, I think the quarterback position is such a an area of need in Superflex where I'm going to go with Jaden Daniels here just so you can have Malik Neighbors at six. Yeah, I mean, and like, this is why – <laughs> this is going to happen sometimes at four to six is the sexy zone, the smash zone, you know, maybe even four to seven. You're going to get this in some scenarios and yeah. who knows? I mean, in this particular one, I mean, I'm going to ruin it at seven. I'm going to take a Dunze who goes to the giants. And in this particular mock draft, he went six overall. There could be a giants fan in your league who he jumps in there. There yeah. could be a guy, you know what I mean? Like there's a scenario where one of these guys falls to seven, which blows my mind, but Four to six, the sexy smash zone. Get yourself in there. Malik Neighbors at six is your dream come true. 
it almost seems like there's a lot of analysts, scout analysts, especially that have Odunze going over Malik Neighbors mm-hmm. in the draft. I don't care. Like, I don't yeah. care what happens. Malik Neighbors is going to be my wide receiver, too, in this class. I agree. The vertical ability and the yards after catch and just the explosiveness off the line is unmatched. Mm-hmm. He's our, he's probably the best vertical threat in this class. Yeah. And I think he's going to be like a 4-3-5, 4-3-8 runner. Like mm-hmm. Chris Olave, Garrett Wilson were in that range. Like he's faster than them. He's more explosive than them. And he excels downfield. He has crazy good yak skills, his ball tracking. He's just that type of guy that like, I look at it like you can tell who's good and who's like an alpha good wide receiver one when you look at how they excel in one-on-one situations and downfield. Like Garrett Wilson, that's what separated him for me in that 2022 class, Dad, was his ability to make plays contested and downfield when covered. When you can stand out and be the go-to reliable target on first down, second down, third down, that's what establishes you as a wide receiver one and a true wide receiver one. Mm -hmm. Malik Neighbors is that guy for me. Shane Steichen gets his hands on him. Pittman goes to free agency and you got Malik neighbors is the clear option in the passing game there for Richardson or Minshew. I don't care who it is. If Richardson goes down with injury. Cool. We get a pocket passer. That's going to feed neighbors. If Richardson's healthy, we get a gunslinging strong arm quarterback. That's going to feed him downfield. And we could see a 1200, 1300 yard season from neighbors. So I don't care if he went 15 and Odunze went six neighbors is my wide receiver too. And I'm taking him. I think what's important to point out here, I mean, free agency hasn't kicked off. Obviously, if Pittman were to leave, that would be a great landing spot. You know, and we talk about T. Higgins is a potential free agent. And in this mock draft, Brian Thomas goes there, which would absolutely skyrocket his stock. You know, and we look at Mike Evans is a free agent. And we're going to see that they draft a wide receiver here to replace him. And Marquise Brown free agent replaced by Marvin Harrison in the five spot, Calvin Ridley, a wide receiver, you know, who's also going to get replaced. So this is a very heavy wide receiver class. And some of these wide receivers are going to leave and meet some huge vacancies and some opportunities to, to smash for me, uh-huh. Roma Dunze at six. Like if you're getting, what class is there where you're getting a NFL wide receiver who's drafted inside the top 10, you know, Whoa. at six, yeah but i mean this is like it's it's rarefied air it's not an area that happens very often i mean you look at there are only four wide receivers and i keep putting these things out four wide receivers in in this draft class with over three yards per route run 80 plus receptions 10 touchdowns it's neighbors franklin harrison and adunze every time you you talk about any kind of elite stats any kind of breakout age any kind of adunze pops into that area Malik Neighbors, Troy Franklin, Marvin Harrison. And I think Adunze at seven, if he goes top six, is just mind-blowing to me. And it's a fantastic pick. I think seven is going to ultimately find its way into that four to six tier and be an absolute sexy pick, as is the the 108 here. You guys, I keep talking about it, that this guy at the 108, literally, and I'm hoping you're taking the same guy that we're talking about, but he's been there. And at this landing spot, you can't go wrong. It's the dog, Brian Thomas Jr., filling in for T. Higgins. I mean, he is literally – I just tweeted before we jumped on, like, Brian Thomas Jr.'s ceiling is, like, what T. Higgins is right now, like a guy that's just consistently getting you a 1,000 yards, eight, eight, nine, ten touchdowns maybe, and he's a top 15 to 18 wideout. Like, if he replenishes that T. Higgins role with Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase, he is going to be a touchdown scoring machine in that offense. 
He had 17 touchdowns in 2023 with Jaden Daniels and Malik Neighbors. Like that, he wasn't just by himself. He was competing with the second best wideout in this class, who is considered almost damn near generational to most. And he was 1,100 yards, 17 touchdowns, very strong yard per out run numbers this year. He was an absolute touchdown machine and dead. I just want to highlight like a player like this, six foot four, I truly believe is a six foot four, by the way. Like I've looked at so many different photos of him next to neighbors and Jane Daniels, who's projected six, three, six, four. And like, he's the tallest one. I think he's a true six, four. And I think he moves like a six foot receiver, like T Higgins, Michael Pittman, Nico Collins. They have that like rare ability to move after the catch and like fluently move downfield and separate. Brian Thomas is in that tier for them. I think those are three great ceiling outcomes for him. It's like the Pittman, the Collins, and the T. Higgins. And I think here in the Bengals spot, he's going to get there. I fought back and forth for four and five between Franklin and Brian Thomas just because Franklin analytically looks phenomenal. He, he's a very strong route runner. He separates well. But then the, the NFL is telling me Brian Thomas is better. And I honestly like Brian Thomas a little bit more on film, just with the upside of being six foot four, be able to be as nimble as he is after the catch. I've seen plays where he's broken tackles in short areas at a high level and he can tight rope their sideline. So his body control is phenomenal. One thing I want to ask you, dad, I'm going to kick this over to you is 2022 and what was considered a weak class, no QBs in the top 10, six wideouts went in the first round and that was a strong wide receiver class just based on like how the NFL viewed it. I truly believe with how last year went with the class four in the first round, not a strong class, but you had Rashi Rice, Josh Downs, you had Puka Nakua, Dontavian mm-hmm. Wicks, Jaden Reed, multiple guys that went day two, day three, providing crazy success at the position early on. I think that is the Intel, like the go-to indicator that the NFL only views these wide receivers as more and more valuable and that they are just becoming more day one. We need you to produce now pass levy. The, the league is as pass heavy as it's ever been. I think that there's a true case where seven to eight wideouts fall into the first round this year with it being a weak class, right? Like defensively, you don't love this class. And there is a lot of wide receiver teams right now with a loaded wide receiver free agent class. So I think we could see seven to eight wideouts falling into the, to this 24 draft we want him to hit in that top 45 window you know i think yeah. keon coleman troy franklin adonai mitchell xavier worthy i mean there's a lot of guys yeah. ultimately to me i don't care as much if you go top 15 you're elite you know if you go top 10 yeah, you're top in a different stratosphere money it's like okay. and then i think i think there's not a big difference for me in my talent evaluation from a guy that gets picked 22 to 42 it's just landing yeah. spot and then kind of go things there. That's why in this particular spot at the 109, I'm going to take Troy Franklin. Um, he was not drafted in the first round of this, but I don't care. You know, there's only four players yeah. that have hit these thresholds here in, in, in this year's draft class. Early breakout under the age of 20.5. College dominator of 20 plus percent. College target share over 20 percent. Over six foot tall, 1,200 receiving yards. That's Malik Neighbors. Marvin Harrison, Roma Dunze, and Troy Franklin. The guys that have done that since 2019, Jefferson, Chase, Lamb, Devonta, Pittman, Rashi Rice, Jordan Addison, Jackson Smith and Jigba, Rashad Bateman, Gabe Davis, and Tyler Johnson. If you listen to that list, and yes, Bateman and, and Gabe Davis have had flashes here and there. The only guy who doesn't really stand, stand out is Tyler Johnson. I mean, this is a list of guys where – 
These are things that matter. Troy Franklin hits all the criteria, and I, I like him at 109. And I know there's going to be some 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 quarterbacks that get into the mix, especially another guy that go in first round in this one. There's going to be some other wide receivers that get one round one draft capital, but I love Troy Franklin. You absolutely nailed it, Dad. And I said how tough it has been for me to rank my fourth wide receiver in this class. Every day I wake up and it's between Brian Thomas and Troy Franklin. You can't deny Troy Franklin's ability to just pop off the line of scrimmage. Like his fluent release, so quick, he's twitchy. He excels vertically downfield. Like he can do it all. And I almost like look at him as like a, if Devontae Smith and like a Jalen Hyatt or like a JMO had a baby, like mm. the way he can just fluently run routes, great soft hands, can be. I mean, we saw him make plays on the sideline, make plays out in front of him, make plays after the catch. Like he can do it all. And it's, it's honestly going to come down to who gets a better landing spot in draft cap. Like if Brian Thomas goes 18 to the Bengals and Troy Franklin goes like 48 to like a team that's like he, like the Ravens or something like that, where it's just like yucky, then then it's going to be easy for me to make that fourth pick. But like right now, like I'm struggling. Troy Franklin, easily my 109. As, assuming he goes top 48, top 50 yeah. in this class with what we're given right now. The Let's next hit these last up, three here. These are a little bit tougher. The next pick is very ugly for me and I can't believe I'm doing this, but I think if Bo Nix goes 19 to the Rams, like first round QB six point passing super flex. Like I don't love Bo Nix at all. And I don't think he's a first round talent, but in this case he is apparently you got to go with him at 10. Like the, the upside and the risk is so like high to low where it's worth it here. Like I, at worst, he's a Kenny Pickett. at best. Maybe he becomes like, that like a like a Baker Mayfield where he's thrown for like 3,500, 4,000 yards. Maybe he's like a Geno Smith type ceiling. I I would like this with Puka and Sean McVay. Great landing spot for him as the future for the Rams. I think you got to go with him here, even though he's likely outside of my top 15 big board. I think uh 11 and 12 are going to be running backs or quarterbacks. I, I think, or and, and you know, probably someone outside of this. I, I like Adonai Mitchell. I like Xavier Worthy. Based off of the the mock that we have in front of us, Keon Coleman went to the Bucks at inside that first round, and I think the Bucks are, you know, it, it, this is assuming Mike Evans leaves. So I think Keon Coleman is someone that had early breakout age, had a, a lot of you know fantastic measurables that I would be willing to take at the one eleven. Ultimately, I'd be trading back, but for this particular purpose, one eleven Keon Coleman. Yeah, and just because I think JJ McCarthy is a first round talent, I think he's like a mid to late first round guy. A lot of I think, good, good I think he goes over Knicks, you know, in yeah, my I opinion. He's better than Knicks. Yeah, he's my QB four in this class. I think he I think there's four QBs that go in the first round. I think JJ's the fourth one. I'm gonna take him twelve. Worthy mm-hmm. would have been my eleven just because I am so confident in Worthy going top fifty. I think he's gonna be a lights out forty runner. I know he run ran something crazy, like a ten something hundred meter in high school, like People are projecting him to be arguably the fastest runner at, at the position in the class. So I think Worthy is going to be a first-round player, like late first-round player in the NFL draft. I really do. I think he's mm-hmm. going to go over Keon. But like Dad said, Keon 26 to the Bucks. it's like hard to argue that. But, I mean, J.J., I think he does get into the first round. He came from winning. He beat C.J. Stroud. He beat Ohio State again. He beat Alabama. He beat all these good teams. He beat that powerhouse Washington team. I J.J. McCarthy wasn't asked to do 
crazy amount, but when he was asked to be a gunslinger and had to be, he could be. So I think there's a lot of upside there, and I think he's very poised, and I think he's a good decision maker. So I think there's a good scenario where he comes in and he's like a strong QB2 in fantasy football with upside, but at the age, early declare, won a national championship, five-star recruit, top five in his class. Like You got to go with J.J. McCarthy if he goes in the first round at the last pick in this first round. So I like it. Yeah, that was fun. You know, we tried to throw together a top 12 super flex. We were going to try to do a, a top 24 later. You know, we're going to be doing a lot of content as far as rookie related things. Just in the Patreon, Snoop's going to start recording some some player profile pods. So make sure you guys check us out. Thanks for tuning in, guys, and enjoy the process.